Hello everybody and welcome back to the Catch Kate podcast. Today we have another interview um, with a local beekeeper, Danny Heine. So he's here today to share his story with the bees and his love for nature. So welcome Danny, how are you today? Uh, thank you Kate, I'm grand and thank you for um, inviting me around to see your place. Uh, it's been very interesting so far and uh, yeah, thank you for the opportunity to have a chat with you. Great. So where did your journey with the bees start? Was it many years ago or did it just, did the bees come to you or how did it happen? Yeah, so I think a long time ago, I've already always been interested in um, insects and etymology and the, the miniature world, you know. So I think my fascination with insects started with ants, actually which are in some way related as well. I think they're the same family, I think, with the with bees as well. So um, I could be wrong. <laughs> but um, no, um, that's where kind of, as a child, I was, I was just fascinated with these films about ants as well, films, and I just thought it was fascinating the way they work together, you know, in a colony and they had a queen. And um, so as life went on, you know, I always liked honey as well. Honey was something I liked to eat. <laughs> and I got to realise then, <laughs> later down the, later along down the road, it's very good for you. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, all right, okay. So especially the, the local honey. So I used to source local honey then from Hannah, back now from in Hannah's Bees in Little Island. And uh, I used to play her when I w- would go around. I'd be asking questions. I'd be very curious. And... Uh, so I used to ask her a lot of questions, and one day she turned around to me. She says, "Danny, why don't you go away and do a beginner's beekeeper course? You seem like you're really, really interested." In it. So that was all the push I needed then to get involved in bees, and really the rest is history. To be honest, uh, in summary, I started during the lockdown. Um, uh, I said, "Right, okay, what are we doing here? I've got a little space down the back of the garden there. Okay, let's clear that, get a little area going." obviously watching millions of YouTube videos and having done the, the beginner's course um, just before lockdown happened, I didn't get an opportunity to go to the Association Apri to get any hands-on experience. But uh, yeah, I was. That's, that's how it started for me. Okay, wow, that's interesting. And you mentioned as well about honey being good for you. That was one of your drawing draws in. So would you like to tell the folks listening, what is it about honey that is good for you? Well, first of all, I think that honey was meant for us. I, do, I truly actually believe that it was, um, it's a gift that, that, that's been given to us, you know, um, because the bees do make a whole lot more honey than they actually need to use and in some cases I've seen when I go into the hives that they haven't touched any of their stores at all much during the year uh, or after the over the winter even though they do need stores they do need to eat and they do eat a lot but the amount that they produce so part of that tells me you know it's there for us you know we're, we're actually meant to have it and you know looking into into honey at the start when I was like looking into things I had a lot of maybe uh, allergies and especially around, you know, springtime and coming into spring, even the family, they had a lot of allergies and I was trying to get them, uh, get, 
the kids into something like that where whereby the you know the honey and it's uh, got pollen in the honey so you know it's like an inoculation against against some of the allergies that we get with that pollen in mm. summer and springtime and you know apart from all the other benefits of honey i mean reading up on it and in the books and everything you see how much we've relied on the product of honeybees um, and honey in the past you know mm-hmm. but it's antibacterial and antiviral properties how it's good how they used to use it in medicine and even today you know if i have a cut or you know a sting in the apiary or an open wood you know a little bit of honey you know so i realized back then the benefits of honey and that's what really i suppose was it was one of the one of the things that got me into into beekeeping mm. <clears throat> that's amazing yeah and it was used like for by all ancient civilizations like even back to the egyptians and people really revered it um and you see as well even other animals like in the winter they try and come and take it like mm. you see the the yeah. wasp and the bumblebee and the mouse and all sorts of little animals trying to come over and get that honey That's, badgers yeah. um and uh i've even seen horses knock down hives getting the honey out for a horse yeah yeah well i don't know if they got well they did eat it but they've knocked them over you oh, know yeah yeah um yeah and would you like for anybody that's not or that's totally new would you like to like explain the whole magical process of getting the honey for anybody that doesn't know like it's not like jam i always tell you it's not jam it's not jam (laughs) yeah um i could say is it's hard work Mm. (laughs) it's it's tough actually manual labor i mean even you know um i suppose different people have maybe different ways of extracting the honey or taking the honey. First of all, some people may not agree with taking boxes of honey off the hive and that's fine. That's, you know, everybody's personal preference. Like some people may only take a frame or two of honey as they may need it, Uh, you know, in which case, you know, they may use it from the comb, take it straight out of the hive and and have cooked comb honey for the breakfast, some fresh, um, which is beautiful. or then you might be kind of like me and you may want to process some honey in greater quantities um, be able to use it for yourself for the year for your family for your friends uh, and to make other products like mead maybe perhaps um, genius. What are the products from honey? <laughs> you would have health um, health products made out of honey skin um, I know there's skin lotions using honey and propolis and other products, mm. but that's other. That's not that's. I know that's not honey, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, there's so many uses for honey. Um, and do you know the story behind mead? Um, I know it's the the drink of the gods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it's it's always been associated with uh, folklore and and. Uh, you know, in a lot of ancient texts and referred to by as as drink by queens and kings and mm-hmm. you know, so And it I was don't... drank on the honeymoon as well. All right, okay. Yeah. Is that by the Celts? Or... No, I think that's just where the honeymoon term came about. They would drink ah, mead okay. for fertility. When and when is the honey in the autumn, is it or No, and you know when somebody would get married. Oh they'd have their honeymoon. Sorry. 
Hello. <laughs> I thought it was a special type of a moon. That comes oh. <laughs> so the honeymoon, you know, like the red moon, the hunter's moon, the honeymoon, and I don't even associate that with marriage. <laughs> I know the blue moon, the jaguar moon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe there is a honey moon. Yeah, no, I get it. All the different types of moons. Sorry. Yeah, I'm with you now. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and even in the Brehan laws, they would have had it. You know, they would have exchanged it. You know. Yeah, I heard there was some sort of I, I I can't remember where I read it, and it was saying you know that I think one point right. That the Celts, like before before Ireland was populated, like the Celts when they migrated over, they were one of their attractions was uh, the honeybee, the honey from 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 the the black bee in okay. Ireland. Now, I'd have to I'd have to go back and try. I've been trying to actually find out where that was, where I, where I found that, mm. um, or where they I were read drawn that. in. So yeah, you know, because you remember, you might remember, like from from history, like that. Um, you know, Ireland used to be just one big forest. I know. Imagine how green and lush it was. Uh, and, you know, trees are the natural home of the honeybees. So must, they must have been prolific here at one stage, you know, without any need for, for, for us to kind of worry about homes for them or anything. Like, mm. Or where they would go, you know. Mm. Oh, I can't. I'm just thinking of Ireland back in the day. Like how amazing Unreal. it must have looked. Yeah. So, you know, imagine like oh the oak forest like the, it was must have been just prolific. Now you look at Ireland, it's hard to actually find well, I know you 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 know there's there's the woods that you go down to, local woods that you can find tree like native Irish trees, but I think it's kind of a little bit of you know something that we could really do improve on in this country definitely planting native irish trees mm-hmm. as much as possible you know yeah forget that spruce you know let's plant some native irish trees get some native irish trees back in the soil you know mm-hmm. um and i had something really exciting happen last weekend i was down in killer woods oh yeah um glen bower in east cork and we were walking along and there was one moment there was a big red squirrel like jumping across the canopy layers up like i mean could have been like 150 meters high like amazing leap across the whole like across the sky i was like wow it was like so amazing and then like literally 10 seconds later an actual full bee colony in a beech tree in a hollow and i literally like just (laughs) bowed down to the tree i was in awe Mm. And I actually cried because that was the first time I ever saw one in an actual tree, like natural and wild. And um, it was so beautiful, like, you know. So sad and so beautiful at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, you know, that, that should be in a common I know. Like, I know. Yeah. Because yeah. I've seen them in all sorts of things, you mm. know. From, you know, all sorts of man-made things. Yeah. But not in an actual tree. And that was, like, one of my once you know i was always longing to see that really in real life you know and i just couldn't believe i was just looking at the comb in the hollow and i was like oh my god you know to see something natural there's something beautiful that happens in the body you know yeah because i think that's what like he's as well with a beekeeper especially when you're starting you think you know you feel okay the bees they really need us to look after them and it is true they do need us to look after them now that we've destroyed their their habitat (laughs) yeah you know um so yeah but then 
on I was on one of those groups on Facebook and I saw a picture of one of the beekeepers put up a picture of this gable end of a house and up at the apex there there's comb right stuck up at the apex and he says they survive the winter up in the apex of a house exposed to all the elements you could see the comb and you could see the colony you could see the cluster mm-hmm. of bees up there yeah and we're in there mm. and I'm like going that's amazing survived you know i think i think we make them weak i think that they're actually ferociously strong Mm. like they're here 130 million years you know Mm. without human intervention only the last whatever how long we've had them but like i think if we just leave them alone like yeah to do their thing they'll be so strong you know Yeah. yeah i think our meddling with their vibration their frequency I do agree. I do agree with you. I think a little bit, a little bit is okay because obviously I love them and I love going in and having them going all around my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Not stinging me, but like being in the whole resonance. And I was actually reading the other day about like the vibration of the hive is at a C, a C scale on uh, music. So, you know, like guitar and piano and stuff. So the C note yeah. that basically the hive is at that note so right. when your body you know ap therapy so when your mm-hmm. body's in resonance your cells you actually start to vibrate at that so they have studies done on people who have ptsd like prolonged ptsd yes and that it actually brings their body back after several sessions back to its original kind of vibration and out of that stress state mm. so it's been proven to show that it can like reduce the stress and that's very interesting enhance well-being you know yeah and just back to the other point you made and I agree I do agree with you you know that meddling you know um, obviously you know a creature goes goes near a colony obviously the colony will they they will get defensive because you know that's you know they're trying to protect themselves what have you uh, cause them stress and the more you do that the more you cause an animal stress obviously you're leaving that animal open to um to becoming you know less resistant maybe to to disease um unfortunately we're caught in a catch-22 situation because we have meddled so much and we've just destroyed so much of the environment that now unfortunately they do need a bit of care yeah and for example we we talk like you know any any new beekeeper coming along uh may have all these bright eyed kind of come in and go oh yay uh, but you know what unfortunately there's a lot of work with the bees keep keeping bees uh, especially with with pests um, that have come into this country hmm. unfortunately have been introduced into the country and now we can't do anything about that but help them because if, the, if they are left for example I'm talking about the varroa varroa mite the varroa destructor and that comes in as a horrible pest and there is more that can come in um, unnaturally into our environment because they're not native. The Varroa wasn't native. It came into Ireland in 1998. And, um, you know, it causes havoc. Basically, it reduces the, the bee's immune system uh, because it's feeding off its fat body. And when the immune system uh, is treated like uh, its immune system is, is compromised, shall we say, um, and stress on the colony, what, is it, what that actually is, it's a vector for other viruses then to come in. And, you know, you, you see if you've got a, a colony, sometime last year I had a colony 
that was deliberately left alone. I, I didn't treat them for Varroa. And unfortunately, when I went back to the hive the next year, I found there was parasitic mite syndrome in the hive. And the bees were coming up because the Varroa gets into the cells. It feeds off the larva and can starve the larva out. So the larva then are unable to, to progress. And if they do progress, they come out and they've got deformed wing virus and all sorts of other things. So you'll know it when you go into the colony, you'll see if it's, if it's been parasitized to a, to a level where the colony could collapse. And in that case, you know, we have to take some form or form of action. And therein lies the, the you know, the interaction of the beekeeper. So while I do agree with you, unfortunately, I think that we've actually destroyed our environment. We're destroying our planet. And unfortunately now, you know, animals do need our help, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's probably a long, kind of long-winded... Uh... No, it's perfect. <laughs> and as well, you know, the stats of like only one in six actually survive in the wild. Because somebody... I was like videoing myself one day catching a swarm in the ditch and uh, somebody was like, oh, what are you doing getting wild bees and did it? And I explained that, look, one in six survive in the wild and this bee colony could literally go into that roof or that chimney right there in all these houses. Yeah. Like, and then somebody comes and exterminates them. Better I bring my box, put them in. Yeah. You know, but yeah. I had to explain it. And be like, look, mm. we don't have trees. Yeah. Where are they going to go? That's it, like. They you know. No choice. I do. I don't want to put them in boxes, but like. Yeah. They have a much much better chance of surviving. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and did you find as well when you looked in that hive? Did you find like you know they did die right? No, because oh, uh, right. what I did was I did a shook swarm. It's a. Um, one of the methods you can use to, to, to do this. So basically what, what that is, is, okay, you, you're, and it's for the greater good of the colony, by the way. <laughs> so I get a new box, a fresh uh, box, uh, with fresh frames. And for those of you who don't know what frames are, they're the frames that go inside to have wax sheets so that the bees can build out their comb. Everything's fresh, brand new. Uh, so I had to, it doesn't have, it's not contaminated, with mites and then what you do is you get the frames of bees from the old hive so you put the new hive in the place of the old hive you take the old hive away uh, to one side and then you shake the, each frame of bees out into the new hive before you do this you, you kind of it's recommended you get the queen and you cage her keep her safe um, but but also put the queen excluder which is a, a mesh that stops the queen from from traveling. Uh, you put that under the hive so she doesn't leave the hive. Um, and the reason for that is is because when you're putting in fresh comb that has no brood on it or no young, then it, it there's a potential that she might just swarm away and leave that hive. So you want to keep her in the hive. And then when you've got fresh foundation and everything in, there's still bees, remember now, still bees that have got mites on them. And you're after shaking all those bees into the fresh hive that is, was uncontaminated. So what you do then is, when all the bees are inside and you, you, you take away the old box with the old comb on it, and uh, you, you'd have to get rid of that, unfortunately. That means destroying the larva. Um, but it's best to burn it. Um, not the box, but the, the frames. or and, if you, and sterilize it. But... 
once that new box has got all the newbies that have got no young on it, you come along and then you can treat them, treat them for the Varroa. So the best, the best method actually, which I used was uh, at the time when there was no brood on them, is to give them uh, a, va a vap with uh, AP bioxyl and then the rest of the mites will all drop off. And I'll tell you, right, when I did that at the start of the summer, okay, I thought, oh, okay, they won't, but they built up. They built up so fast because now they were they were healthy and they'd lost the 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 mites were all gone now and they weren't actually you know holding them back and i got so much honey off them they really came back strong and i didn't think it but oh my goodness the amount of honey they produced so fast how they bounce back from that you know you know, wow. imagine how how they would have done you know if they none of the bees had mites at all like you know Wow. So it probably kills them almost instantly. Yeah, because it's, it's like a 99%, I, I, I think, success. It could be yeah. Because you see, the, the, the life cycle of the varroa mite is that the, the, the female she goes into the cells and mates inside the cells when it's capped, when they, when they cap the larn. So then she mates, gives birth to, to several varroa mites inside the cell. And if this is all happening inside the cell, and you're trying to vape, put a vape in um, AP bioxyl into the hive, so they're protected because the cell is sealed, mm. and they're in there with the larva, and they're they're mm. e eating away, um, on the larva. So the larva's fat body, by the way. So y y the only way to do that would have been like as I did, shake them out with fresh. So there's no sealed frames where the where the mites can hide, <coughs> and therefore they can't hide from the the vape you know mm. wow that's amazing and um yeah great that you got so much honey as well how cool yeah you know i mean like i leave a box when when um what i tried this year is i had double brood which is another brood box on top because i felt that they didn't have enough space in the polystyrene hives that i use but uh, I'll change my strategy this year I think they were overwintered on a double box which had loads of stores in so I left them stores for the bees but I took off the other boxes on top of that again but um, I still fed them anyway just in case yeah and would you like to we've talked a lot about mites now lovely yeah. mites oh, would you like to maybe give a little explanation about like how the honeybee actually makes the honey this miraculous food of nature of the gods <laughs> yeah i mean the the process now i mean i should know this off by heart like, i've <laughs> only brief. just done i've only just done the uh the scientific um intermediate scientific paper on the on, on the thing at the, the chemical process because you can wow. get really you can get really um oh no just a brief on all the sugar but <laughs> what, yeah because because you see when when the bee collects the nectar at first um, stores it in what's called its honey stomach, which is a little honey stomach. But of course, the enzymes change the properties of the nectar. The enzymes that the bee has change the properties of the nectar. And this is what helps to uh, turn it into actual honey. But that's only started the process because when, when the bee is flying back to the hive, the foraging bee, it'll pass that honey on when it reaches the entrance of the hive via feeding it to the other bees and those bees will then pass on so this process with the 
the, the, the nectar and the honey helps change the structure, the properties of the honey, or the properties of the nectar into actual honey. But then when it actually gets to the cells, when they're actually uh, putting the, the honey into the cells where they store the honey, the bees there, they have a different job. And one of their jobs then is to, to, um, to finish off the process of turning it in. And what they'll do is on their the proboscis, which is their tongue, basically, and they have a long tongue, um, but they pass a little tiny drop of honey up and down their tongue about a hundred times so as to reduce the moisture in the honey because it's 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 what they're doing is they're trying to they're trying to uh, prepare the honey perfectly so when the honey goes into the cell that it's perfectly um i'll think of the word in a minute <laughs> I always get caught in that one. Um, so it's perfectly prepared. It's perfectly turned into honey. So they reduce the moisture content. That's what they're trying to do. Reduce the moisture content of the honey so that it doesn't spoil. And uh, it's, a, it's at a perfect moisture content. It's oh, less than 17%. Mm-hmm. And it's gone into the, it's gone into the uh, cell and they paint the inside of the cell with that drop of, drop of honey. And they might take in the honey and take it back out and remove it according to the requirements of the hive. Like if that is needed by, the, if it's perfectly um, ready, once it's once the moisture content is is right. And by the way, the other bees are working at keeping the moisture out of the hive as well by fanning. What a process called fanning, and this will send air, warm air through the hive, and and that's evaporating the water as well while this process is going on so they're all working together to 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 prepare the honey and get it ready into a state that is that it's perfectly um i still can't remember the word uh it's a simple word (laughs) and uh, then then once they're ready uh they cap the cell and then it then you can be guaranteed when you see that a little white wax capping on top of the cell you know that the honey inside there is perfect Magical, mm. isn't it? Yeah. In a nutshell. <laughs> I know. Quite a bee cell. And then, like, <laughs> so many people just spoon it out and, like, you know, yeah. you know, not thinking of the crazy, amazing, miraculous process. Mm. And then even before that, like, the soil, the sun, mm. the flower, mm. the leaf, the nodes... The energetics of all of that to even produce yeah. it, to draw it up into the flower, like Unreal, it's mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, I'm Unreal. speechless. You know, mm. makes me speechless and makes me sad too. How honey isn't valued as it should be. You know, ripening the honey. That was the word I was looking. Oh, for. ripening. ripening. Oh, hey, <sighs> you got it. Um. But you know, even like if somebody says, oh, honey is expensive. I'm like, no, it's not. It's actually way too cheap. Oh, yeah. Oh, for crying out loud. Like <sighs> It's beyond cheap. Like I always say to people on the workshop, if I was an alien, I'd be like, is that like 500 euro? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. The value, like, yeah, that's, that's an interesting thing, actually. The value, as we perceive it. As humans, we put a monetary value on it, like, you know. But you can see the value that the bees put on it because they're prepared to sacrifice their very lives to def- defend their their um, their food source 
a wilder colony as well like obviously you know um, something that kind of threw a spanner in the works for Charles Darwin actually because mm-hmm. it defeated his whole theory at the start he couldn't get he couldn't bend his theory around around why the survival of the fittest would actually uh, sacrifice their own lives oh really yeah it's yep so what it didn't was work he with his theory. <laughs> okay you see because it, that's the whole thing survival of the fittest right but at the end of the day a bee sacrifices itself like same way a human being would it doesn't explain a lot of things you know it doesn't fit into that mm. kind of dimensional theory of, of evolution you know mm. so I think that's interesting wow yeah I'd say people will be yeah I know I, <laughs> I told I remember telling the process to a girl one day and she's like I've never ever 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 eaten honey the same ever since like every single teaspoon um yeah yeah it is mad when you think of of the properties of it as well i mean that that we're that we're that we're consuming it it kind of amazes me you know i think i'd love to get into my cross my if i get this word microscopy okay. <laughs> looking at the looking at it under a microscope and i wanted to learn more about that because um you can then see the pollen grains under the microscope in mm. the honey and all the different things that are in the honey. Mm. And I'd do you to, do you filter your honey? No, I because they say when you filter, you're actually taking it out a bit. Yeah, no. Um, what I do is I just strain it once when it's coming out, just to get the big bits of wax. But I don't filter it down to a level where it's, you know, you're taking out uh, all the other, the other good parts, like you know. Yeah. But like some people do, like and and see oh if for for to make it saleable as well it's not you're not um people generally when they see bits inside <laughs> they're, they're not it's 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 a, it's a state of mind isn't it like what we were talking about earlier it's like people mm, you know they look at it even cook home honey i don't know how many people and it'd be interesting to i suppose give feedback on it but you know how many people look at cook home honey and go yum I don't know very like I I think everybody should eat cut comb honey right fresh and then get their opinion because I remember doing it for the first time and I called up to Hannah and she said do you want some cut comb and I said you know what I've never really actually eaten cut comb and I took a bite out of it and the fresh feel the feeling or the taste should I say, of honey bursting into your mouth. And you know that that was untouched by human hands. That was just, the bees had just only just, they put that in there. They were the last, they were the last ones to touch that honey. Right? Mm. And that's in your mouth now. And it's, and it's you know, and you're absorbing that and, that, and all the goodness that's in there. Mm. You know? Oh, the or an, an, odd, an odd time there when I'd be inspecting a hive and I'd find like a lump on the roof or something they just put there. Mm. And I'd take it off and just under my under my hood in the middle of hot summer, you know, when you're boiling yeah. in the suit, you're just boiling. And um, you'd have a bite and it'd just be roasting hot. Mm. And it's just like, oh, my God. And then the bees are like coming after. <laughs> They're like, give that back. Give that back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's lovely. Absolutely lovely. Very good. So is there anything... Um, is there anything you'd like to say to the folks about maybe appreciating nature or like maybe how they could help? 
in any way bees nature anything yeah i think that anybody who's been maybe reading or following bee beekeepers or uh yeah watching youtube um which is all great it's all very good you know um just be aware like i mean <clears throat> there's a few things a few misconceptions should i say like the honeybees are not endangered right strictly speaking okay we have 100 we had about 100 and i think it's 100 101 different varieties of bee in 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 ireland mm-hmm. right you know and honeybees there's enough beekeepers to be looking after honeybees right that's not to say you can't be a beekeeper <laughs> but what i'm saying is that there are other bees out there that need our help there are other parts of the ecosystem that need to be looked after that we could focus our energies in um for example you know like you know there's a lot of charities going around looking at you know and trying to find ways of our, our wild more solitary bees you know maybe trying to figure out ways of of making an environment for them but already we know that in our own back gardens you might have a pile of wood that you want you just want to get rid of or a pile of bushes or something you want to just chop up get rid of make your garden nice and tidy like we always do as human beings try to make things bend them into our own way but you know what that's an environment for uh, insects you know they go in there and there's a pile of pile of wood at the bottom of the garden they can lay their eggs in there and they can you know that's a little area for them or other wildlife that can come along and, and just nest or or burrow into you know so before we go you know making things tidy why not even choose a corner of your garden just to let go let it go just you know don't cut your grass maybe you know just let it grow let the so-called inverted commas weeds grow i don't like that term because i think weeds weeds are plants they're very valuable like the dandelion is one of the most important sources of forage you know um, as is, you know, mentioned a few others that are, that are just considered weeds and we mow and we cut our grass because we want a neat, tidy garden and we want our neighbours to go, ooh, look at that grass, right? But you know what? That's no good. You know, the bees are going to come along. They don't, that's not going to attract any anything to your garden because that's, you know, that's taking away their food. Um, especially now in June. So one thing, you know, we beekeepers this is the june gap there's a gap in june and um there's there's a you might see some people not mowing their grass i try not to mow my grass at all um but in a place where i rent uh the landlord wants us to cut our grass <laughs> so i leave it grow as long as i can for the month of june uh or no more may should i say may so that they have forage in june because that's when they'll need it um, all that clover, all that lovely, lovely stuff that they, they you'll see the bumblebees on the clover as well, mm. you know, they love that stuff, you know, and what are you doing when you mow it away, you, you know, that's their food gone. Mm. <laughs> so little things like that, you know, um, and then people come up as well, another, another, another thing, wildflower, wildflower, and it's only something that I've, I've seen in the last couple of years as well, is more kind of, um, awareness about wildflower seed and you know if it's not native wildflower seed you you know you're putting a non-native species back into our environment here in ireland you know why not just let it grow whatever is in our environment can look after itself if we let it alone for Mm. five minutes you know what i mean 
So mm. um, sometimes what can we do? What's the best thing we can do? Is nothing. Mm. Just let it grow, maybe. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. I'm sure that'll be really helpful for people. And as well, like, you know, I know in Ireland people are really, like, rebellious and really, like, have, you know, people love Ireland who are from here. And it's like, if actually they knew even the history of the grass thing, like, that's Mm. all due to colonization. Mm. Like, that was in support of the British Empire. Like, that's where it all came from, like, those green grasses. And to be honest, because now I, like, think like a bee and I look... (laughs) I'm saying I look like a bee, but I look into the ditches like I'm a bee because I'm like, where's the food and where are the flowers? And when I look at grasses or I drive past people's lawns, I'm like, yuck, like, what is that? Blades of grass all over the place. And like, the only person that likes that is my chickens, like (laughs) nobody else. Um, But it just looks silly, like just green all over the place. But anyway, um, just even for people to read up on that, like that, like, that was that was due to like the colonization of Ireland, these neat, tidy lawns, you know, um, whereas we were quite wild here, like Ireland was wild. Um, yeah. So if anybody would like to find out more about you or your business, um, do you want to let us know where you're at? Yeah. So thanks, Kate. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to increase my followership on Insta, that'd be much appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 157 follower, I think now. No, um, so it's the, the underscore real underscore Heine B. And Heine is spelled H-I-N-E-Y-B-E-E. <laughs> if you're interested. Uh, I'm also on Facebook as Heine Bees. So yeah, I'd be very appreciative if you want to come along and have a look at some of the videos I put up there and everything like that. Um, yeah, that'd be lovely. Thanks, Kate. Thank you so much uh, for your time and all your sharing of your knowledge. Um, also, thank you to the listeners. If you can give a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be fab. Um, share it with a friend um, or any nature people. And thank you to the patrons who support. Um, I can't do this without you. And if you, if you can, please check out the patreon.com slash catch Kate. And um, we'll talk to you all very soon. Slán. Thank you, Kate.